I want to see Britain's 7 million uninsulated, hard to treat solid wall houses insulated. And I'd like to see them insulated with Thermilon Aerogel products. Um, we got to insulate them. The driving force behind our business and what I do and why I work so hard is the climate crisis, how we can minimize our footprint as a country, how we can actually improve the lives of people going forward. Hello everyone and welcome to FutureX, a podcast by Martin Hearn, Event Director, Future Build, and co-host Dr. Oliver Jones, Research Director, Rider Architecture. FutureX will bring together some of the brightest minds and some of the most disruptive thinkers and innovators to transform the construction industry and build a FutureX community of like-minded people that can begin to make a real change. We really hope you enjoy the series. Welcome to FutureX. My name is Martin Hearn. I'm event director at FutureBuild and once again, very proud to be joined by Dr. Oliver Jones at Rider Architecture. Oliver, this week, all about innovation. And actually, we've got one of the finalists from FutureBuild's big innovation pitch, Fermilon. This seems to be an innovation, really, that has it all and is truly game-changing. These guys are these guys are up there, Martin, with the most game-changing advanced material startups that we've come across. In fact, I'd go out go as far to say is that they've already they've already developed the solution. They just need the scalability, and that'll come through and undoubtedly in the chat with Sam. We've known them as a as a business for for quite some time. You know, ever since probably they spun out of one of the venture groups within a university in Durham, and we've you know we've worked with them. We've helped to support them understand the construction sector and worked with them to develop case studies for integrating their product into, into buildings. Um, and we still work with them now and looking at how can we get their product certified and into some of our um, more innovative pilots and, and demonstrators. But in terms of prospects, in terms of impact, you know, this is a, it's an incredibly high performance insulant that has a great circularity element to it. It is more high, more highly more high performing than phenolics or rockwool. It's breathable, and typically aerogels have been incredibly expensive to produce. These guys have brought the cost right down through the, their new processes, and they're integrating it into lime plasters for heritage buildings. You know the the opportunity for them to have great impact in the retrofit space is massive. Um, as are some of the future potential opportunities that undoubtedly Sam will talk to us about. I agree. You know, this is a product that ticks so many boxes. It's it can use waste materials. It can be circular. Um, the performance levels are, are unbelievable. Um, it's a true game changer. And I think you're absolutely right. When they get the scale, the use and you know, Sam will talk about this. The use on both heritage projects, but also on that retrofit market, could solve massive problems that we have um, in one of the most efficient ways. And it's just. It's exciting to, to hear about a product so early in its development cycle. Tell you what, let's uh, let's get Sam on. Hi, Sam. Great to see you. Great to see you too, Oliver. I think um, I think what's really exciting about today is that we can catch back up with you. It's been a while since we've spoken, but we're bringing your product and and Thermilon as a as a, a business now to to the Future X crowd. And I think it'd be really useful just for you to give us a little bit of a, a background to yourself and then maybe segue into how on earth did you begin to start this company and, and what is it? Yeah, of course. 
I mean, I never meant to start a construction materials company. I kind of ended up here accidentally. Um, so originally I did a PhD in chemistry and looking at organic solar materials. Um, and the reason I did that was because I wanted to do something that was good for the planet. I saw the climate crisis coming. I was like, how can I use my science knowledge to make something really good for the world and sort of uh, commercializable? Um, the research was rubbish. <laughs> uh, the materials, I think, within a year of working there, I realized they were never going to get to market. So I left my PhD a bit disillusioned and I was like, how can I use you know, my science background to do something that's good for the planet? And I came across this uh, venture builder called Deep Science Ventures, and they help scientists start companies. And I was there looking at the built environment and just realizing uh, that there was this real dire need for new insulation materials. It was about a year after the Grenfell Tower disaster. I think we all saw that and it was like, you know, why are we using these plastic materials in our walls that are so flammable? It seems uh, madness. And it was like, well, there's a material problem here. There's a need for materials that are high performance, non-combustible and affordable. How do we make that? And so that's kind of the starting point for Thermilon. Um, yeah. And, and Thermilon, come on, you tell us what it is now. Tell us what Thermilon is. Yeah. So what we are is we're a process chemistry company. So we're trying to make aerogels. Aerogels are some of those super insulating materials in existence. Um, when they're made of silica, they have incredible fire properties, so they can get to the A2 fire rating. Um, but historically, they've been insanely expensive. And actually, that comes down to their chemical cost, uh, their chemical processing. And so what we're trying to do is develop a completely brand new continuous process that uses recycled reagents to make a very cheap aerogel. So you can have something that's high performance, really thin in your wall, uh, fire safe, breathable, because aerogels are also breathable, and also affordable. You're talking high performance here. Just just tell me, let's rewind a little bit. Tell me a little bit about aerogels. So like, how high performance is high performance? Yeah, so, um, you know, the best aerogels in the world, uh, if you want to get really technical, can get to a thermal conductivity of like 16. Um, that's sort of... Uh, if you think of like your best phenolics, they're around 20. Your Rockwell is up there at sort of 35 to 45. So what does that actually mean? That means, so if your thermal conductivity is double, you're going to need um, double the thickness to get the same thermal value. So if you've got, say, I don't know, 100 mil of Rockwell, you need, say, 50 mil of phenolic or 30 mil of aerogels. And so that's sort of your sort of scale there. Yeah. And what other properties? Tell us some of the other properties of aerogels. Yeah. So, I mean, when you think of uh, some of the plastic materials, they're all closed cell. So that means that vapor can't get through them. Um, and where they get the thermal performance from is all these tiny little bubbles. And so you're really trapping air. So a perfect insulation material is as lightweight as possible. So you don't get any conduction through like the bonds and as small pores as possible. So you get almost no convection. And that's why aerogels are incredible because they are this nanoporous network. The pores are on the order of less than like 50 nanometers. So you have almost zero convection through the material. And because they're still like 95% air, you get almost no conduction as well. And so they're incredibly lightweight, 
um, super insulating because of this like nanopore structure, but also still open cell. So the pores are really tiny, but you can still get vapor diffusion through the aerogel. So when you're thinking about using on old properties and retrofit or internal insulation, there are fantastic options to stop you getting damp and mold issues, whilst having really high performance and thin materials on your walls. So the breathable, and, and, and how's the acoustic performance? Um, it's sort of similar to Rockwell as well in terms of that. I think there isn't kind of as much done on the acoustic performance of um, aerogels, and also you have a lot less of them. Yes. So the acoustic performance is um, good, but it's not like their main sort of selling feature. Yeah, yeah. So you, you, let's just package that up for a minute. You've developed a really low-cost way of creating an incredibly high-performing insulin that has pretty good fire properties because it's silica-based, that has great thermal properties that we need a much lower build-up of. And, mm. I mean, I guess, I guess are you going to share with everybody on the podcast just how you've managed to make it so low-cost, Sam? <laughs> well, not everything. Um, <laughs> uh, it's all about chemical control and continuous processing. So if you look at how aerogels are made today, they often use high temperature or high pressure equipment um, or things are done in batch. And I think any economist will tell you when you do it in batch, um, it's not as good as if you do it in big continuous productivity. You know, going back to that traditional uh, Ford Model T, the production line, the first kind of modern production line to really drive costs down and get economies of scale. Um, and so what we do is we're adding chemical control in so that you can do large scale continuous processing of these materials so you can just output a lot because actually the cost of aerogels is often in the raw materials they use and we're trying to use incredibly cheap raw materials and also in the capex of equipment right so at the moment you want to build an aerogel plant um, using a current process you can't use very big tanks because there's not very much control in the chemistry. So if you use a very big tank, you lose control and you lose all the good properties. And so you just have to build five of the same small tanks, right? Whereas what we're trying to do is really build one massive facility at the cost of, say, two tanks, but has the output of, say, 20. And that's that's really what we're trying to do with our processing. Oh, well, on, on, your, on your sort of mission to do that, do you want to tell us a bit about that journey, you know, and how, how you found it? How you found trying to crack construction yeah i mean we're kind of we're trying to crack two industries that um historically are kind of dominated by monolith players the chemical industry and the construction industry so um we're, we're a bit strange having not spun out of a university we were an idea on a piece of paper um and we just went okay let's see if we can get some money to try this idea. We, we had a short collaboration up in the Northeast with uh, CPI and Durham University initially to get some results. And I think that's when we first sort of come across you, came across yourselves at Ryder. Um, and it's been, it has been a real journey. You know, it's been about trying to build a team. So I have two fantastic co-founders, uh, Alex Murdoch, who was a chemical engineer. He's been on board since the really early days, helping us look at you know, even from day one, okay, if we build an industrial facility for 100 million, how much material could it pump out? How affordable could this product be? And then Rosalie Rickliver, who's on the commercial and operations side, and she's been fundamental in um, really building up the commercial side of the business, putting in those collaborations, getting our kind of hands into the industry. You know, none of us come from construction. And so we've really been a cold start in getting into this industry. 
And what are some of the barriers that you've come across? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess there's like two two barriers really that come to mind instantly. The first being um, process chemistry startups are hard, <laughs> really hard. And that's a product of they're slow. You know, development takes time. You've got to have manpower uh, or people power, as we should say these days, in the lab, actually working on this day to day, trying things out, process optimization, changing equipment. Um, it costs time and it costs money. And then also kind of getting into the construction industry, which, you know, is slow. It doesn't particularly like change. It doesn't particularly like, you know, new products or new materials. Um, and really trying to get our hands in and, and develop sort of um, collaborations to do so. So Sam, talk about those collaborations. Can you tell us a little bit about putting this product in the real world and some of the results that you've had? Yeah, sure. So what we realised early on was we started working with Ryder actually, and they were instrumental in helping us put together case studies on, okay, if we put this in a tall building with a much thinner wall build up, what's the floor space that you unlock? How much can you actually get from that? And we put a fantastic case study together on a real building that Ryder were working on that was anonymized um, and showed that by switching insulation material in the wall build up, you could save 350 meters squared in this uh, apartment block, which was equivalent to seven new flats, right? So, so the floor space you're unlocking with thinner materials is incredible. Um, what we found though, was that it was difficult getting into that, into that space because uh, obviously regulation is so tight in, in putting materials into tall buildings. And so we weren't gonna be able to do any demonstrators early. So we sort of pivoted and started looking more at putting aerogels into plaster products. So taking these powders and these granules and putting them into plaster products for the heritage space. So what we did was we worked with a lime producer in Cambridge, Best of Lime. We developed a new plaster formulation incorporating, um, we were actually using kind of uh, aerogels that were already commercially available on the market in large volumes, very similar to what we're producing, just we had more to play with and they're a lot more expensive. Um, and we were putting those onto properties. So we put them on two properties, one in uh, Cumbria and one in Wales, both internally insulated, both solid stone properties, you know, traditionally hard to treat, hard to insulate stone wall housing. And they were sort of the first demonstrators. And so that's, there's no special skills. That's just using plastering skills. Yeah, we, we've, we really made a point when we did it that we didn't want to create a product that was too complicated. You know, there are some aerogel blaster products out there in Europe that are like seven part systems that you have to be an accredited installer. We wanted something that was mix it up in a bucket and slap it on a wall. Any plasterer can do it. You know, it's, it, it was developed with plasterers, the product and for plasterers. And so actually we had... Um, general contractors and plasterers that had never used the product before. We did a training video and then we got them to install both properties. And what's fantastic is, you know, you don't need a pre-layer, you don't need anything else. These stone walls, some, you know, the, <laughs> they're literally lumps sticking out, holes in them. The insulation layer at some point was seven centimeters thick, sometimes three centimeters thick, depending on the wall. So you could sort of smooth out the wall so you could put a nice top coat to paint on, as well as getting all your insulation performance. Um, and we were getting some fantastic results out of the of the trials that we've already done. It's fair to say when we when we first came across uh, uh, Thermulon and, and met Sam and and Ros and the guys that I think the we at, the at that time and space we were really interested in looking at 
the replacing the insulants and what were the other options on high-rise buildings and that's why we conducted that sort of case study with you guys um but at the same time we did flag the the opportunities that would be afoot in the in in this sort of the space you were moving into with um with with historic buildings and and actually you know since then if such a such a good move in terms of where the market's headed in terms of retrofit you know the it's in, incredibly difficult to retrofit insulation on onto historic buildings in mm. a sensitive manner um that is publicly acceptable but also accepted acceptable to planning authorities so the the product that that sam and thermion have been working on is was was really a bit of a godsend you know that's it's going to be a, an affordable solution to really high performance insulation that's also breathable because a lot of these pro- a lot of these buildings you know mm. do retain a lot of moisture um these older buildings and it's not too far a jump then from thinking well if we can apply it to our historic buildings you know we've also got an unbelievable amount of homes that need retrofitting in the country so you know how far are we away from this being a really scalable solution to help to retrofit our homes and one of the big things about retrofitting our homes is it's probably not going to be the ideal solution to just clad our homes in mm-hmm. uh, unbreathable phenolic insulation and yeah so, so how far are we from that sort of scalability sam do you think yeah, I mean, I think the, the worst thing we could do in, in trying to retrofit our buildings is to put a bunch of plastic on them. Um, you're just going to build in future mould and damp issues, especially these buildings weren't intended to be built in, in boxes. I think, you know, modern builds, there's a lot more building physics that goes into it. We understand the moisture movement. We understand all of this. In those old buildings, you need old style materials. And that's what I think we've tried to do is fuse like modern aerogel production with kind of old technology in terms of lime plasters uh, and putting those two together. I, f- I think for me, what you've described is a sort of, you know, it's a game changing product. You know, you should be inundated with inquiries and um, so what's holding you back? What's what's holding, you know, you as a, as a small startup and an innovative mm-hmm. brand? I, I think it's scale. Uh, going back to all these questions about how we scale and what we scale, we, we are inundated with kind of um, with requests and people wanting to install. Uh, and there's sort of two things. One is production ourselves. You know, we're still at a lab scale. We're producing a litre sort of scale at the moment. You know, you need a lot of litres on a wall of insulation material. Um, and two is kind of the the regulation and things to get out there properly. So the product we created and we've installed um, it uses a commercial aerogel that's already on the market that's been tested. It's a, it's a great product, but it's still really, really expensive. So to get that price drop that actually opens this up and makes it affordable for people, we need to make the aerogels using our process. And to do that, we need to scale. So we're looking uh, to kind of finish our continuous development at lab scale in the next 12 months. And then we'll be raising capital to um, build a pilot facility that can say do 500 to 1000 homes a year. Uh, and produce enough volume to do that. And then from there, we'll look to build an industrial facility. The, th- the thing when you're bringing new materials, new chemical process to market, it's it's unfortunately not that quick. You know, you are capital limited. Um, you know, could we go and hire another 10 chemists to do this quicker? Possibly. Do we have the cash to do that? No. Will the 
market support to that of company valuation scaling give us that capital no and so that's where one government grants have been incredible and i think are really important for material startups to have that support um which is which is actually why it's tragic that we're likely to be kicked out or not a part of horizon that the government's delaying on the horizon 2020 um involvement it's it's an absolute curse for science companies and for scientists across the uk really really difficult um, so on that scale side, we have to scale up our manufacture, which is going to take a bit of time. And then on the innovation side um, and getting those products to market, it's about working with people to make sure that the testing is being done. For example, you know, as a company, our niche knowledge is in aerogel production. We don't know anything about fire testing and we probably aren't the best people to be doing that and putting it into products. So we're really going to be looking commercially to work with larger corporates, larger companies, um, giving them materials, letting them test how good our aerogels in their products, and then they can take it to market because they're the ones that have already done all the fire tests, that have been through all this process before, will have the expertise to um, really help commercialize and take those materials to market. Oliver, you and Ryder have been involved with Fermilon from a, from a very early stage, and you're, you're involved with numerous amounts of startups and innovative brands. What, what appeals to you getting on board really early and you know what's Ryder's involvement with with these brands? I think for us it's just about it's interesting when Sam was talking before and you talk about trying to get into the construction sector and and, and talk to the industry it's really it, you know it, it's incredibly difficult to navigate the construction industry when you're in the construction industry sometimes as let alone when you're outside of the construction industry and you're from a, a very logical very meth methodological, um science background you know you start to think well hang on a minute why doesn't this work the way that I, ex I would expect it to work and and a good example of that is you know if if sam and the guys turn up and start talking to a room of people about nanoporous aerogels and the high the high performance of these space age products then you know, i've seen it time and time again with a range of different startups where the people in the room are just like oh well, this is really interesting and it's fantastic but it's not it's never really going to happen is it it's never it's not going to change the way that we do things. I'm still going to be ordering rock wall and, and, and phenolic panels for the next 30 years. And in reality, the answer is you're not. You're absolutely not. You know, these guys are on a are on a trajectory and gaining such momentum that it's it it, it it's imperative that we sort of embrace um these these young startups and help them to navigate the the system really and help them to navigate the construction sector. And I think what the guys at Thermion did really well. As well, you know, if Sam doesn't mind me saying, um, was was start to bring it back to skills and existing skills. So, you know, you mentioned before, Martin, well, it's just like putting plaster on the wall, isn't it? You know, that's when you start to get real buy-in from people. That like people are scared of change, and they're scared of innovation that leads to the changes that are related to that. But actually, if you start to talk to them about, well, do you know what? It's not really going to impact you that much, and in fact, you. The thermal performance is going to go through the roof. The costs are going to come down and you're not going to have to change the way you apply this. Um, so don't get me wrong. There's loads of other innovations out there from other startups that probably are going to shake things up dramatically, but don't we need shaking up? Yeah, yeah. And I, I agree with you here. I think, you know, this is an amazing innovation because you can take, you know, a traditional skill, a traditional product and basically massively enhance it. Um you know, Sam, what's the sort of future hold? You know, where else can this be applied? What other applications could this sort of um, science have? Yeah, I mean, I think where we'd like to see it is 
putting aerogels into loads of different products. So the plasters, uh, you know, your heritage plasters are, are one application where you're looking for properties such as breathability as anything else. You could even look at putting it into, uh, say, gypsum plasters, where you could even, in, in cases where you don't need that breathability um, or as much breathability, and there you could actually potentially even get more aerogel into the product, use less binder because it's a bit stronger and, and get even higher performance in those products. So it's about each product has a different, a different kind of benefit and trait. It's like how much aerogel can you kind of cram in there to get the thermal performance versus the other properties of the material. Uh, we'd also like to be in sort of like aerogel blankets, so kind of like a, almost like you get a roll of rock wool that you can, or mineral wool that you roll out, uh, an aerogel blanket that you can roll out, but you know, it's just half the thickness of a, a mineral blanket, but with the same performance. Um, and at the same time, a similar sort of price or the price uplift really isn't that much for the additional performance you're getting on that wall. Uh, also looking at, you know, other sort of potential cladding panels. So things like this, where you've got a built system or attaching things onto pre-built plasterboard. So you have like a thin plasterboard insulation kind of composite at the same time, you know, like really the, the, uh, the, <laughs> the applications are sort of endless to a degree. I think there's also a sort of applications potentially outside of the construction sector as well. Um, people are looking for ways to do uh, insulation inside batteries and electric vehicles for isolating cells in batteries with, um, with, with high performance products. Obviously, again, tight space, need for insulation. That's sort of where aerogels can really come in. And that's where we want to sort of scale our product and go into those markets too. So, sorry, um, so you've, um, you know, you've been doing this now for a number of years. And, and I suppose if you could start your time again, what would be your sort of tips to to other innovative brands out there, and what would you do differently? Oh, oh, that's a that's a tough one. Um, yeah, I think it's it's getting industry knowledge as soon as possible, right? So I'm so glad to have worked with Ryder from an early stage because it gave us that insight as to what people want and the bottlenecks you're up against. You know, I think what, what we've done well is from day one go, are we definitely making sure we're making a product people really want to buy and that really adds value? Um, and so I think that's the key thing is to go out and talk to your customers, talk to the people who are specifying, um, offer it to people, even if it doesn't exist yet. Say, would you buy this if I made this thing? What would the problems be? What would you like? I think that's sort of, what I would say to people who are starting up at this stage is really get out there and speak to people and speak to other innovators. Um, yeah, that's kind of the key message, I think. And I think, well, you know, on the back of that as well, Sam, I th the, in the early stages when you guys were developing this product, there was also a, an opportunity there for you to start having a bit of a narrative and, and start having an impact on this developing circular economy, wasn't there? And, you know, so mm. that, there, there, there's an opportunity there, I, I guess, for for you guys to be able to, through Thermulon's work, be able to support that developing circular economy. Yeah, absolutely. So from day one, we've we've really thought about. I've always said I don't want to make another crappy process that's bad for the planet, right? Um, and so, how do you how do you make sure you don't design in uh, poor 
poor reagents or really carbon expensive reagents you know to a degree it's it's chemistry you're going to have to use some things that have a carbon footprint but it's about how you minimize that so for example we had a project looking at how you think use things like waste construction material non-recyclable waste glass really any silica source you could then like uh process and turn into an aerogel as your main kind of silica component and i think that that was really important for us from day one to try and look into things like that so that we can say yeah actually we're not designing in something really high energy or high cost in terms of carbon um and we've also done some like preliminary life cycle assessment even though we don't you know uh have everything exactly what we're going to do exactly what reactor technology and things you can still do things on your basic reagents what sort of energy you're putting in what sort of stuff like this so you can start building up what your kind of life cycle will look like um and how you kind of compare and whether you could really genuinely get to like a net zero product amazing and it you know it's probably fair to say you were talking about the journey of of, of a young startup there you know the, the likes of Innovate UK and and things have been have been really fundamental to to the work that you're doing, aren't they? Hundred percent. I mean, like I don't think we'd be around without Innovate UK. To be blunt, um, and the and the grant funding. You know, when you look at what investors want to put money into, there's often quite a short time horizon they expect returns, as well as certain valuations that sort of the market set, which is sort of how much capital you can actually raise at a given funding round. Um, and then there's how much you need to actually do the development. And so, you know, most investors are used to a tech startup being like 20 people around a laptop where the costs are a laptop and some people, whereas you've got a laptop, people, labs, building things, equipment, more equipment, broken equipment. Uh, the need to do scanning electron microscopy, the need to do like um, helium pycnometry. You know, these things are insanely expensive. And so that's where the, the Innovate UK and grants help to support you and lower your risk so that one, you can bring investors on board and two, you have more capital to actually develop. Yeah. I know there's going to be people listening to this and, you know, in your future building, you found this as well, that people are going, I want some of this now. You know, I, I've got the projects. But what is it you need now as a company? Well, what support are you looking for? Um, how do people get involved with Permilon? Yeah, I mean, the first thing is we have a, a newsletter that goes out every few weeks, which we put um, kind of things that are going on in the construction industry, innovative things, changes in regulation that might affect startups, and a bit about what we're doing too. So if you're interested in what we're doing, go to the website and sign up to our newsletter. Um, I promise it's not a, a very long email or spam to you very often. Um, the second thing at the moment is we need to... Um, work with perhaps some bigger companies so if you're a construction product manufacturer that's looking to perhaps improve performance of products or create an aerogel product we'd love to hear from you uh, because we'd love to start putting collaboration together where we could give you some material you could incorporate it into a product and um and then we can see about like where that goes from there about kind of new aerogel products uh and then if you are interested in some of the plaster work um we will still be looking to potentially kind of put some put some materials on walls with our partner best of line who are out in cambridge so also perhaps get in touch with them about um uh, getting some aerogel materials onto walls sam we um i mean you've taken us on a roller coaster ride of aerogels there haven't you it's a it's phenomenally exciting in terms of what's what's on the horizon and 
and there's this this series of growing number of advanced material startups that are all on the brink like you guys are i feel of just breaking out and and really disrupting the way that we do things in the sector so super excited and and really privileged to sort of know you guys as a business and and be involved with your development wherever we can um we always end the podcast by asking you what your sort of vision of a better future would be what's your vision of the future what do you want from a better future i want to see britain's seven million uninsulated hard to treat solid wall houses insulated and i'd like to see them insulated with thermilon aerogel products um we got to insulate them the driving force behind our business and what i do and why i work so hard is the climate crisis how we can minimize our footprint as a country how we can actually improve the lives of people going forward and it's something that's you know, we're seeing, all of us are seeing in the cost of living crisis at the moment. And actually insulating homes is just one of the most simple ways to improve people's well-being, reduce mould in properties, reduce their energy bills, and it's good for the planet. It's just such a no-brainer. Um, and I want Thermalon to be a part of that revolution. Well, if the, if the current candidates for political leadership in the UK are listening, which I'm quite positive they are, you know, it's this is definitely a call to action, isn't it, Sam? Um, that's phenomenal, Sam. Uh, thanks, thanks so much for your time, mate. Well, no, thank you very much for your support so far and looking forward to working together um, in the future. So, yeah, cheers. Oliver, that was absolutely fascinating. I know you've got big plans for Thermilon. Oh, wow. Where do I start, Martin? I, you know, you might level some craziness at me here, but, but hear me out first. Yeah. So I've had this idea for a while that I want to create a massive material mashup at a point in time, you know, we hear from all these guys, we've got more guys scheduled to come in and talk to us on the show, but Peter Ralph from the deep green biotech hub, who was in one of our earlier episodes is coming to the UK. We're going to get him in a room. We're going to get some other phenomenal biotech companies involved as well as an array of advanced material startups. And I just want to throw it all out there. You know, I want to really mix it up and just say, right, Sam, tell me what happens when I put aerogels into an algal-based binder and throw that to one of Peter's chemists and throw it over to the mycelium guys and say, listen, you're making, you're making panels, but could your panels be better? Could your panels include Sam's aerogels? And just begin the idea, that material, advanced materials revolution in this big material mashup workshop um, that hopefully will happen later this year. Well, feels like we might need to be taking future X on the road then as well. Well, big plans, big plans. <laughs> well, if you want to keep up to date with those plans, please like, share and subscribe to the Future X podcast. Join our community to stay up to date with all things Future X. Visit futurebuild.co.uk to sign up. Please also like them and share them to help grow our community. You can subscribe to the podcasts within your favourite podcast platform. Thanks so much for listening and we hope you'll be back again soon.